I'm Coach Tony Miller, and you're listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast. We have conversations with basketball coaches from around the country focused on specific topics designed simply to help grow the game. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Coffee with Coaches presented by a Quick Timeout Podcast. Before we get started, let me just say thanks to our sponsors over at Dr. Dish Basketball. Uh, advanced shooting machines. And right now, if you mention a quick timeout, you can receive $300 off on some selective models. So visit drdishbasketball.com to find out more about that. Joining Coach Andrew Wingreen and I today is Coach Zach Boyver of Army Basketball. Coach, thanks so much for jumping on the podcast. No, I'm glad to glad to do it. And I had a nice early morning. I got my coffee ready to go, staying on brand. I don't see coffee with either one of you guys, but I'll, I'll let it go. <laughs> we're uh, we're just trying to get everything uh, organized. Here. The three of us are all currently on vacation. Coach uh, just showed us. That actually, two of you are on a lake, and I'm planning to get on a lake at some point today. So we're just hoping that we can make it through the entire broadcast without uh, falling into a lake or without our internet going haywire. Knock on wood. I love it. <laughs> the title of this, people can see it. Just kind of talking about coaching nuggets today. I think probably if anybody uh, follows Co- Coach uh, Boyver, they're probably going to see that he has all kinds of coaching nuggets, and that is because he is a continual learner of the game. It seems like I kind of joke uh, to, to uh, my uh, friend of mine. Anytime that we were going to go to a clinic, we could almost bet the coach was going to be there in some shape or form, either as a speaker or as a listener or as both. Um, I guess I'll just kind of start with that. Like, have you always been like that or has it been something that maybe since you've gotten older, you've realized the value of it? It's always been like that. And it's so cool how like different circumstances shape your life. And like, I really think all that's routed, rooted, I'm sorry. in like when I was seven, uh, a branch of a public library opened right around the corner from me and like my parents have been big my whole life on reading my mom and dad both and i swear like the presence of that library literally three houses down like in some really good teachers my parents reinforcing reading like a whole world was open where it's like hey if you don't know the answer i bet it's somewhere in that library so like i really think it's you know rooted all the way back then and um, I'll give my parents credit, and and it's something I I value to this day is the importance of reading. Is that they just they didn't care what I was reading; they just wanted me to read, and they wanted me to be curious. And uh, uh, I think curiosity is something that we really should try to stimulate. Um, I know there's a lot of coaches listening to this, but we should try to stimulate with our coach, with our players. Uh, if you're teaching, you should try to stimulate it with your students. Uh, if you are a parent, you should try to stimulate it with your kids. There, then again, you have a 31 year old. Uh, uh you know childless um bachelor here you know telling people uh, you know how to parent so i understand the humor in that but uh my point is just encourage them to be curious and my parents like never like they just wanted me to keep learning keep reading and that kind of happened in coaching where i i just kind of have had always uh i've approached stuff with i know nothing and what can i learn and so uh clinics have been big in my life because ultimately that's you know, there's nothing, um, I always joke, there's nothing on my website, there's nothing on my YouTube channel, there's nothing, hell, heck, I even say in practice, that's my own, it's all, 
stuff that I've taken and I've learned from others by having a uh, big ears and a small mouth and just taking in information. Um, I know recently you've been posting on your Twitter account. Uh, you're, I think you're reading 50 books in 2020. And, you know, I've done that in the past and 50 books in one year is no joke. But what is maybe one book? I know uh, I, you've been posting some little reviews on there, but what's one book that you would yeah. say you've been learning a lot about you know, coaching, but not necessarily X and O's, more so just how to lead people. Yeah, the the one I love, it's funny, and so Andrew, I, every year I have a goal. So my goal this year was read 50 books in 2020. Now, my buddy says there should be a, you know, that there's the Sosa McGuire uh, 30 for 30 on Sunday, and they said there should be an asterisk on it because, like, quarantine threw it all out of whack because I've been, uh, it's given me some more time to read. But uh, that was my goal. So uh, the the book that I, jumps to me is, is funny, Andrew. It's actually my first book I read this year, and it was recommended to me by a good buddy of mine, Ben Wilkins. And uh, it's What You Do Is Who You Are. It's by Ben Horowitz. And I think it's got a really important message. We all know culture is important, but I think culture at some point um, – what's the saying jump the shark and i think like it's become this massive buzzword used in coaching and it really has been used in ways that like that isn't culture it doesn't and essentially we've lost the definition of culture and ben horowitz who um who's got you know a ton of uh history in silicon valley and, and, and with some really big companies and including twitter and and what he explains is ultimately your culture is what you do every day and you know what you do what your daily habits are as a as an organization as a team as a program um that's that's what your culture is it's not what you write on walls and so that is the my favorite it's funny so it's the first one i read and it's my favorite one and it's one i really recommend to coaches because it really makes you ask yourself what is my culture really because i think it's a word that's really gotten construed uh, within our coaching industry so kind of following up with that how would you suggest ways to incorporate culture how do you guys do that there at army i know it's kind of built in for you based off of just what the school is maybe a little bit, but how do you either reinforce that or teach what you want from the basketball standpoint? Culture is, you know, it's, it's what you tolerate and it's what you do every day. So uh, to steal, you know, Ben Horowitz's line. So what it is, it starts with you defining what your culture is going to be. And I really like how uh, Archie Miller, Indiana basketball talks about it. Is he, he talks about first before culture, you have to define your identity. And you have to identify, define your identity about what you want it to be. And I think it's very important because to understand the difference between those two words, defining an identity is defining a what you want it to look like, what you're going to uh, pride yourself on. And it's funny, culture is kind of what actually happens, though. Because culture is something everyone has culture. It, it might be a good culture, might be a bad culture. But and I think sometimes when coaches get in trouble, they talk about not having a culture. Well, no, you do have a culture, just not very good right now. So I think it starts with defining what you want and what you want to do and what you want to be. And, and so for us, our, our, our three core values, um, and they're a little ambiguous, and but we, we try to go, we try to uh, define them the best we can. And you know, our core values here at Army is respect the team, uh, respect the game and uh finish so uh you know respect the team is is holding what we're trying to accomplish above your your individual your individual um needs it's uh speaking truth to teammates it's holding teammates accountable uh respecting the game is uh taking a process-oriented approach and not getting caught up in results and it's also um 
It's also uh, respecting the basketball gods, you know, playing the game the right way, uh, making an extra pass, or, you know, running back, on, running back on defense, doing all those things. And then finish is just finishing everything you do, uh, having a culture of finishing in your life, in your game, in, in, in everything that we do as a team. So I think it starts with defining your values and then really trying to bring analysis to are we living them up? Are we living up to those every single day? Do you feel like there's a difference? I know you you were at you know Iona, you were at Maine. Is you know getting a different type of player because obviously the guys at Army are choosing to come to a service school and they have maybe a a unique mindset because of that. Yeah. Do you do you find it easier, difficult, uh, more difficult to carry out your culture, carry out those values as guys maybe buy in more at Army or? And Andrew, it's funny. Like I'm not saying we don't have problems. But it's 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 like utopia. It really is. We're coaching the best kids in the world. I can't speak high enough about uh, the kind of individuals that come into our program. So like, I'll be on Andrew. Like, I don't. I even. I'll. I was talking to a buddy of mine last yes last week, and uh, and we're talking about shot selection. And I was like, it's different for me because I don't coach ego. Like, there's no ego within our program at all. It's just as I think it's a kid. Um, when he comes to when he comes to West Point, they're kind of a couple um, self checks along the process. And like to your point of, I think if you're going to come to West Point, you have a service heart, and so you have a you have a service to others. And two, you're gonna you you're accepting that you're going going to be pushed and challenged and coached hard. And I mean I mean that in both athletics, but I really mean that more. If you're going to come to Army, you're you're understanding that approach kind of in your daily life. So. To answer your question, there is a difference, and it is so freaking cool because you don't, you know, and not that I coach bad kids anywhere else. I mean, we had great kids in the University of Maine. We had, we had great kids. We had great kids at every spot I've been. But I really think that when you when you're coaching Army, what you're coaching the the lead of the lead. And so, Andrew, I I love it every day, and I I understand. I'm humble enough to understand the great situation I'm in and, and being able to work with the kids I get to work with. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you'll get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats, in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just a box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats, like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to find out more. Coach, really quickly, let me tell you about a brand new app called Wildcard. It's a social engagement platform specifically designed for youth sports teams. You, your players, their parents, people are going to love this thing. The app allows you to create virtual training programs, manage schedules, give player and game reports, and post player videos and highlights. I've checked out the platform, and I highly recommend you give Wildcard a look. Especially in this climate, with a lot of us having limited or even no contact with our players, Wildcard allows you to stay connected and build culture with your players through the use of technology. Right now, there's a special promotion for a quick timeout listeners. You can download and use the app for free, but you must do so within the first two weeks of the release of this episode. So check the link in the show notes to download and start using Wildcard with your team today. You're going to love it. I've seen several people talk about the fact that during this time, like we're gaining a ton of information, but actually becoming knowledgeable about those things can sometimes be like two separate things. 
Zach, if you want to kind of pick up on what you were just talking about there, but also the fact that there is so much information, but also being able to sift through it so that you can use the things that you're actually hearing about and turn it into knowledge that benefits your program and your kids. Yeah. And I, I think you've got to constantly be taking in information and then the find the, after you take it in, the question you got to ask yourself is how does this apply to me and how does this apply to my program? And I'm not going to sit here and act like I have that figured out. Um, it's something that you're talking to the wrong guy. Cause you know me, I think you have an idea of like, I love in taking information and I just have to find the best way to then kind of take that next step of implementing into my own program. I've tried a couple different practices that I like. Um, I tried to do a one page summary, a one sheet, eight and a half by 11 summary of every book I read where I can just write and doodle on that however I want. And that's my kind of my reminder of, hey, this is what I took from this book. I try to condense it down to one page. I try to come up with a key takeaway of every article I read. But uh, it's something I still struggle with every day. I have about uh, 35 Microsoft Word documents attempting to organize my philosophy, my coaching philosophy, to prove how, how uh, much of a struggle that is. But it, it, you're right on, Tony. It is something that extremely is important because that's the question you need to uh, – that's the question that you need to uh, ultimately ask after you've taken that information. How does this apply to my current situation? In, I don't know if you heard the whole thing, but in regards to practice – um, yeah. you know, think, things you chart, things you guys look for to make practice more competitive. I did, and, I did. Yeah. If you could just yeah. elaborate on something that, that you guys use for that. It's something we are, it's something we are trying to do. It's something we are trying to do with that. Um, we constantly want to make our practices as competitive as possible. We are going to get more into the charting, uh, on the side of things. And, uh, we've spent some time this off season talking to and studying. I think the person that does it best. And if, it, it, that if you're a coach out there and you're wondering about charting and, the guy, the guy that does it best is Kyle Smith out at, at Washington State. Um, he's at Columbia in San Francisco. He just finished his first year at Washington State. Now, what makes him different is those guys live that. They chart every single possession in live screen in, in live situations and practice. They do it in games and they live by it. They play. They they their playing time's dictated by it. So they take um, they take just a ton of pride in that. And that that is the that is their program. So now they take a very extreme approach, but we there's something that can be learned from it about what they're doing. So we spend some time studying that and talking to those guys about what they're doing. So we're going to do more of that. You just have to have an idea of um, the role, the aspect of competition, and how often um, and what role does it play in your pro in your practices, and how often can you get to that you know judgment? You know how how often can you get to that point, that pivotal point where it's uh. You know, and so we do that. We try to do it in a couple different ways. If a drill is ever close towards the end of a drill, say it's a, you know, it works better if it's a, there's a, you know, more of a one on one or a two on two or even a three on three aspect to it, we'll go best on best and we'll say, hey, you know, hey, one possession to go, black, give me your three best guys, gold, give me your three best guys, and we'll play that out. And we try to pause it and kind of make sure they understand, hey, this is the game. Sometimes what we'll do is if we're doing a one-on-one -on -one drill, we'll stop the whole gym, bring everyone over to one hoop, and just watch that and to put some pressure on the guys in it. You know, something we stole from Tom Herman that I really like with Texas football is if you're doing a drill, there's at a certain point and as a coach, you can make that next rep worth three. So maybe you're playing by ones and now you're saying, uh, you're saying, hey, this next rep is for three points. And you can say that to him before the drill or you can say it to him after. 
um, saying, hey, that was worth three. And the, the, the value of saying it before is you, you put a little more pressure on that exact moment. The value of saying it after is your guys never know when you're going to spring that on. Hey, because the rep they're in right now, it may not be just worth one. It may be worth three. So you, you got to find ways to, to add competition to your practices and, and get, it, get it going at a high level. And it's something we're constantly trying to figure out ourselves here, here at Army West Point. You've mentioned a few of the things that you're planning to implement or do a little bit better. Is there anything from these talks that you've had this offseason or these clinics, technical or tactical wise? It could either be, you know, way, the way that you teach something or X's and O's of some sort. But is there something that maybe you're like, man, this is really good. I want to use this now with our team. Yeah, I, I've, I, you know, I've spent some time um, and, and I'll extend this to just studies of my own as well. Uh, one thing is I've spent some time just even in this past month uh, studying Johns Hopkins, which is a Division three school in Maryland, and uh, their head coach, Josh Leffler, does a, just a fantastic job offensively. It does a good job on the other end, too, but offensively is really where I've honed in and watched them and just their ability to read and react and, and their their uh, ability to play five-man basketball and have guy the ball talking and not coming down, setting, you know, he, he'll call an early action and then everything kind of flows from there and there's just offense is a series of a and b decisions and how i see it this concept i stole from brad stevens and um i just think their offense can get five guys thinking that and that the ball talking and if the, you know we can play to the elbow here and then we can go over the top or we can go away and i just love their offense i've stolen that luke yaklich's clinic has been uh on uh it was funny. It happened the day before he got the UIC job, and Luke is a guy that any uh, any coach listening to this should be inspired by. Luke was a high school coach and has just worked his uh, tail off and has gotten his opportunity, and you know does a great job. And really, he's a passionate learner, and he just has a guy that got better at his craft and started at Illinois State, went to Michigan and Texas, and now he's the head coach of UIC. So he did that clinic right before he got the job, and. Uh, just, I, I love his idea of defining terms for your team and then uh, incorporating film and, and how what role can film play in your program. So I, I certainly enjoyed that clinic, and that's one that sticks out to me. And then I'll, I'll give credit what Ryan Pannon's done in terms of trying to bring European concepts to America. He's just done an unbelievable job with it, and he's uh, he's been everywhere, and he's really helped me with that and that's something i've tried to really focus on and in european game what can i learn so those are uh i'll say those would be three things that jump out to me right away i'll follow up just with the offense it's something that we went to this last year playing more kind of out of concept and was studying another d3 coach who i think that you know uh doug novak up here at bethel but just kind of the the eliminating almost the ifs and the thens, so that you don't have so many so many, I mean, you're simplifying the decision-making for the players on the floor. Do you think or do you feel that that is, and I feel like it's one of those things that's kind of like trickled down. Like we've seen the Warriors do it, and we talk a lot about like, man, they just know how to play basketball. But it's understanding the concepts that go along with it. And I think that kind of taking our hands off of it as coaches is sometimes scary, and that's maybe why we don't don't feel comfortable doing it. We don't think like our players are prepared to it. Do you feel like that's something that will continue to kind of trickle down? And what do we need to do to prepare our players to be better at that playing as five as one and that free flowing offense? And you mentioned Doug. Doug does such a good job. And anyone listening to this, I'll, uh, if you haven't watched Doug's point of attack finishing DVD, 
it's terrific. He, his approach to skill development, his approach to offense as a whole, as Tony's saying, is just next level. And I really think he's as, I don't care what, you know, there's no level that has a monopoly on great coaching. And, and like, so Doug's at the Division three level. He's one of the five best offensive minds in the game. Uh, and I un, undoubtedly, undoubtedly, he's just terrific. And Tony, it's a really good point. It's funny. Yes, it's a trickle down a little bit, and, but I actually think it is a, there's a little bit of trickling up. I mean, you know, uh, Doug Doug plays that way at Division three. Uh, Mark Cassio is a guy who at the division uh, at a high school level who does an unbelievable job. And one thing is, I think great offensive coaches have kind of always known that they've kind of always known uh, to play in a conceptual manner and moving from one concept to the other. Because at the end of the day, your players aren't chess pieces. You're, you, you to play the best way offensively. You can't be the grandmaster chess player moving one guy, one ball head. That's not the best way to play offense. Ultimately, the best way to play offense is to give your guys the aim of what you're trying to get out of every possession and giving them tools and giving them different concepts to try to get to that. And uh, there's an expression used in the military called commander's intent. And Jock Olenek, I think, explains it the best where he says you need to be able to conceptualize the aim of a mission and give your players tools and resources and train them and develop them and make sure they're as highly skilled as possible. And then you have to go and let them um, think fast and and play off their, and I say play, react off their instincts. Um, And I think that's the same way for offense. I think you need to, I think, you you know, playing out of concepts is what the really good offense coaches do. Like that's what Bob McKillop does. That's what Tim Kluse, who I worked for at Iona College, you know, he didn't want his guys robots saying, hey, when I catch the ball in this spot, I need to pass it here. He wanted that guy to catch in that spot and say, the defense is taking that away. Come back and play there. If the defense isn't, let's swing it and play. You know, that's what the best offense coaches have always done. So I do think there's a trickle down, but I also think there's a seeping up and that some really good high school coaches and college coaches have been doing that forever. You want to talk, I'm sure most that are watching have probably already connected with you to some degree on social media, but the kinds of things that you're offering on your website and kind of your mission behind that. My mission behind it is kind of what I said earlier. There's nothing in the game I figured out. All right. Everything has been um, that I've seen, I've heard, I've uh, by studying great coaches, I've, I've looked at and examined. So my whole goal was to try to, to try to give back in that lens, to pay it for coaches could uh, learn. And so that's, that's, my whole aim with the YouTube channel, the website, the Twitter is just putting that out there where coaches can learn just like I did. Um, nothing you'll see is my own. Everything is is stuff I've um, stolen like a thief from other coaches. And that's all been an idea of just paying that forward and putting that out there and seeing if other coaches can learn from it. There's one thing that I do want to ask here before we before we finish up. It's connected to stuff that I've seen you post on the website. And it's something that I haven't really on a lot and I'm going to in the, in the future weeks here. But the international game, and I know you even talked about like European basketball, things maybe that we should be watching for or paying attention to and maybe that they're doing a lot better than we're doing and should be probably doing with our team. Yeah, and so there's a whole month and a half where I only watch international basketball because I want to learn what are they doing, what are the concepts that they have in their game that aren't present here. And the, the biggest one I see, and maybe this is a little bit generic, but I'll try to whittle down a little bit, but it's their understanding of pick-and-roll basketball as a 10-man operation, not a two-man action. Their understanding of 
second order and third order consequences of pick and rolls is uh, just next level, and it's it's years ahead of where we are at the on the American side. So just understanding what spacing can do off the ball and the different uh, spacing alignments to attack different coverages is just unbelievable. And their European coaches' understanding of that. I'll also say, um, to kind of stay on the pick and roll. One other thing with European basketball is they're just understanding a movement off the ball and doing different things with those guys. And if it's, you know, one that one action I'm seeing a ton in Europe is dribbling at a two side. So with one guy behind the ball screen, dribbling at a two side, being able to cut that guy, a low man in the corner along the baseline and then uh, filling kind of almost cut and replace action where that wing filling corner, that's an action Fenerbahce uses a ton. Um, just being able to play through the short roll and some of the automatics that are that that are in the European game. If you put two on the ball in the European game, how quickly those point guards move that ball to that big guy in the short roll and allow him to play and him catching that ball not and ready to pass and being able to make that quick pass is something that you really see. Ryan Pannone's got a point where he says uh, two quick passes beats any defense. And the point is you put two on the basketball and you play that short roll quick enough, that guy catching and making a quick read is going to destroy any defense you're playing. So um, if I were to try to whittle down, those are two things that did jump to me from the European side. I think of the Gasol brothers doing that. But, you know, outside of that, maybe, you know, they're not playing as much now, obviously. Uh, coaches or players or teams to watch if they have access to international games? Yeah, um, so I've really enjoyed Tenerife. I really enjoyed Zalgaris, uh, and I'm, I apologize if I'm butchering these names. I mentioned Fenerbahce earlier. The t- I'm not even going to try pronouncing the team in Jerusalem that uh, Ryan Pannone and Liam Flynn both work for is, uh, is a great watch. Um, th- those are the ones that jumped to me. Those are the ones that I dove in and studied, and and it's been a kind of matter of a project I've been working on. I've tried to pick different teams to really dive in and study more extensively. The European teams I mentioned, but also I looked at uh, Davidson, Northwest Missouri State, Johns Hopkins I mentioned earlier, the Toronto Raptors, uh, Auburn. So I've really tried to dive in and really try to take uh, really not just a, I really try to give a big, big deep dive into about a week and a half of each one of those teams, just seeing what can I learn and what can I pull that I can bring to Army West Point and add to our program. Last thing, where can people connect with you if by chance they're not already connected with you on social media or on the web? Yeah, so on Twitter, it's uh, I, I, have, I have two. It's my name, Z-A-K, and then my last name, uh, no space, obviously, just at, and then uh, the other one is Pick and Pop Net is the Twitter. That's the best place to find me. I'm running, I ran into a bug uh, with a virus on the website. Now it's still, the stuff's still up there so you can do that, but also it's on YouTube. But best place I would say is Twitter with pick and pop net. And then uh, my first name, last name, uh, Twitter account. But uh, also uh, my emails on our Army West Point website. If I ever can help in any way, please let me know. Uh, please shoot me an email. And then uh, if we ever return to normal and, you know, and people are traveling again, uh, any of our practices are open. Would love to have you at any of our practices up at, uh, you know, Army West Point. It's a great place. It's a great place to visit. It's a place every American should visit. And so if you ever want to come visit, watch practice, you're more than welcome. Great stuff. Coach, thank you so much again for joining us today. I appreciate everything that you do for us and for the game. Awesome. Appreciate it, guys. Awesome. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.